Hi, this is Elliot Fishman. Welcome to our latest vodcast, and this will be on CT of the spleen challenges and diagnosis. And it's interesting, when you think about the spleen, we can give a long differential diagnosis from benign lesions like cysts or hemangiomas and hematomas to what one would consider inflammatory process like infarcts and abscesses to malignancies. Now, knowing that there are multiple lesions is great, but the question, of course, always on CT is beyond lesion detection classification. We know, for example, that most splenic lesions are indeed benign, and most are simply followed conservatively or not followed at all. We rarely do biopsies. You rarely see a splenectomy for an indeterminate lesion in an asymptomatic patient. And the other thing is there aren't that many different techniques we can use in the spleen. You don't see dual energy usage. Mainly people use single phase acquisition, though I'll explain to you why dual phase works very well in many scenarios. And this article by Stewart made a good point, good study, to evaluate whether an incidentally noted splenic mass at CT requires further workup. And the conclusion was an incidental splenic mass, the likelihood of malignancy is under 1%. And follow-up may therefore not be indicated. Now, in the article, they made the point that this is, of course, a patient who has no known malignancy. This is a patient who has no left upper quadrant pain or no fever, where you might expect or suspect of splenic pathology. It's just something that we pick up incidentally. These masses are benign and require further assessment. Not. They don't require assessment. It's when you have pain or symptoms, then you need to go forward. But that makes all the sense in the world. So, again, with incidental splenic lesions, most of the time we can just leave them alone. And I'm going to speak about the appearance of splenic lesions in this lecture, and I'm going to show you when you need to worry and when you don't. If you look at the evaluation of the spleen, there are multiple modalities available, but CT rules the nest. Now, if I see a splenic lesion, what should I think about? Clinical history, patient has lymphoma, patient has sarcoid. I can explain the lesions in all likelihood. Patient's febrile, patient has had uh, endocarditis. I can explain it probably, it's an infarct. Patient has had IV drug abuse. I can explain it, possibly abscess, possibly infarct. And again, old films are very helpful. A splenic lesion that was there before and is there again and is unchanged is gonna be benign. So we think about the CT findings. Are lesions solitary or multiple? Are they small or are they large? Do they have any enhancement? And are there additional findings beyond the spleen? Are there liver lesions? So liver and spleen, you gotta think about METS, you gotta think about sarcoid. Is there bulky adenopathy? Then I gotta be thinking about lymphoma. And the whole clinical history, what else is pertinent in this patient? Does the patient have recent surgery? The patient have history of IV drug abuse? Does this patient have recent trauma? All things to think about. So when you think about it, when you look at the spleen, the spleen, I always mention the same thing with the adrenal. It's essentially on every abdominal CT and on most chest CTs. So yes, we evaluate the spleen for reasons like staging neoplasms or fever or upper quadrant pain, but most of the time it's simply there. Now let's go back a little bit. What's a normal spleen? So typically measurement under 13 centimeters. I don't do volumes because I can't do volumes on CT routinely. If I wanted to, I could. But remember, if you're measuring everything, you're probably uh, a danger to yourself and to the patient. We talk about variations. Accessory spleens are common, particularly near the splenic hilum. 
They typically enhance identical to the spleen. Lobulations in the spleen are common. There's clefts and lobulations. And don't confuse them for infarcts or lacerations. The spleen is typically less dense than the liver unless the patient has fatty infiltration of the liver. But the absolute density of the spleen will be dependent on the speed of injection and the timing of acquisition. And we know that the patient has a variable circulatory route through the spleen from red and white pulp. And because of that, you will see a moiré pattern on early phase imaging. When we look at the spleen, we can have multiple different phases, but again, most of the time people are examining things in the venous phase, though on other times the arterial phase can be very helpful. I will speak about that as well. Typically single phase, but you can do dual phase if you want me to evaluate something better. I need dual phase because I need to look at vascular enhancement, I need to look at feeding vessels, and I need to look at draining vessels. Again, thin sections, 0.75 and 3s are done, so I can do quality reconstructions. Now, in terms of normal spleen, the key thing is to recognize enhancement. If you haven't seen a spleen before, you would say, oh my God, there's lacerations or there's tumor infiltration, and simply talking about a moiré pattern because of the fast injection rates. And you can see exaggeration of the moiré pattern in patients with cardiac output problems, patient with splenic vein occlusion, or patient with portal hypertension. Now, when you look at this case, you say, oh my God, there must be something going on in the spleen. It's a moiré pattern, and you see there's a vascular lesion left lobe of liver. But as you go from arterial to venous, just like that liver lesion becomes nearly isodense, the spleen looks normal. So if you look at early phase imaging, I've often seen people call infiltration or laceration of the spleen when it's perfectly normal. And so the enhancement, very, very important. Here's another moiré pattern, and here's a third one. So before you call infiltration of the spleen, particularly a normal-sized spleen, you better make certain that you have the right phase of acquisition, that uh, contrast has been delivered, and that you have good timing of the red-white pulp in the spleen. And you can see it here very nicely in the coronal view. Now, we also talk about splenic arterial anatomy. The number of branches to the spleen uh, will vary. We talk about a magistral type of branching consisting of a long splenic artery that divides three or four times near the hilum. And so here's a good example. There's a splenic artery, and there it's branching near the hilum. Sometimes the splenic artery is very tortuous. Sometimes it's fairly straight, like in this case. And very similarly, we can look at the splenic vein. It's just a timing issue. Splenic vein can be thrombosed. It can be patent. You can see a tortuosity to the splenic vein, though not the extent of tortuosity you see with the splenic artery. And you look for patency. We see large splenic veins with collaterals and portal hypertension and cirrhosis. We also talk about situs. That refers to the position of the heart and major organs relative to midline. And normally the heart is in the midline or just to the left of midline. The liver is on the right, the spleen is on the left. But there are a number of different variations. And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time but show you a couple examples. Here's an example where the uh, liver is left-sided, the spleen is right-sided, and there are multiple splenules, situs inverses with multiple splenules. So you need to be aware of some of the variations. Some of them are associated with congenital heart disease. 
it's uncommon but something to know about. Now, accessory spleens are not uncommon. Up to 16% of patients under 2CM usually enhance symmetric to the spleen and typically sit in or near the splenic hilum. But when they move away, they can be problematic, simulating pancreatic or renal or even adrenal pathology. Accessory spleens typically are round and homogeneous, but again, enhancement matches the spleen. There can be challenges from neuroendocrine tumors because they both can be very vascular. Again, neuroendocrine tumors are usually more vascular, but the key thing is as they wash out, they don't match the spleen. So that becomes a very important factor. Now, once you have trauma, we talk about splenules, we talk about splenosis. People talk about the cases of trauma where there are lung nodules present, simulating tumors. We talk about multiple tiny nodules in the left upper quadrant, particularly with splenectomy. We look at a nice example of an accessory spleen here, sitting near the splenic hilum and nicely matching the moray enhancement of the patient's native spleen. Same thing here, moray pattern in the spleen, masked by the splenic hilum, matching exactly the enhancement, no problem. That's gonna be accessory spleen. And here it is again. And here it is in cinematic rendering, very nicely shown. That moray pattern in the accessory spleen matches the pattern of the spleen and very nicely shown. And you can see the cinematic really showing you the uh, moray pattern and it's shown also nicely in the patient's accessory spleen. So again, a very important way of making certain you make the right diagnosis, then don't all of a sudden start working the patient up for a neuroendocrine tumor or some other mass. Now, when the accessory spleen sits by the splenic hilum, it's really easy. But sometimes like this case, it's far away. And sometimes like this case is multiple. Now you should know there can be multiple and this is a great location. And you should know that sometimes you have wandering accessory spleens that are far away. So you need to be very careful. You can see depending how things sit, this was a scan from the chest CT, which suggested that the patient had a left adrenal mass. But then when you get more scans in the abdomen, there's the adrenal, and what the patient simply had was an accessory spleen sitting there the left adrenal fossa, simulating an adrenal lesion on a chest image. So again, you need to be careful. Here's just a few more images showing that very nicely. We talk about accessory spleens, they can be large. Look at this one, patient has splenectomy. This sits by the left renal vein. It was not an accessory pancreas. It was simply accessory splenic tissue, but you can see it's large, but it is enhancing. So just remember that that's not a common pathway of where you can find things. And although we think about the hilum, we can see things lower and nicely shown in this example. And here again, we talk about splenules, another example here. And patient distal pancreatectomy and splenectomy you have something like this, you worry about recurrence. So one of the things that can be tricky is accessory spleens can simulate recurrence. Now again, it's so well defined, it's so round, it doesn't look like a tumor, but it could be a node. Nodes are often very round. I mentioned once you have trauma and splenosis, so you see multiple spleens in the splenic bed. And here it comes down as we look at the multiple splenules. 
and as you come down further there's one in the midline so you can see that particularly in trauma of the spleen when you have splenosis you can see splenules from the left upper quadrant to abdomen to anteriorly on the omentum to in the pelvis so you can see very nicely and what you don't want to be doing in this case is confusing this mass with tumor recurrence it's simply a large splenule in a somewhat atypical location now the pitfalls in the spleen with accessory spleens is the fact that since they can be somewhat vascular and they can sit near the tail or in the tail of the pancreas they can simulate a neuroendocrine tumor occasionally you can have a post left nephrectomy splenic rotation simulating tumor recurrence but that usually is an easy diagnosis and that's if you're not paying attention you can make that mistake so here's just a good example of that real quickly when you, you look fast and you say is there a mass in the in the um, renal bed or near the spleen what the heck is going on there but you see the pancreas is falling back that's a typical appearance of a patient with a splenectomy or rather a nephrectomy and the spleen comes down and you can see the spleen sitting right there and it's simply the spleen not a recurrent tumor and that's pretty easy okay and here it is on 3d so I don't think that's going to be a challenge but it just makes the point that the spleens can impart wander I had a beautiful example of a wandering spleen uh, that was in the pelvis not that long ago. And people have written articles and show uh, this migratory pattern of spleens, sometimes long pedicles. Sometimes people have shown that you can have migration of the spleen down to the pelvis and it twists on the splenic artery and it infarcts itself and then presents with pain. So there are a number of things you can truly look at and just need to think about it. Now, I mentioned before that accessory spleens enhance, like the spleen, both on arterial and venous phase imaging. So here you see a lesion by the tail of the pancreas. What is it? Is this a neuroendocrine tumor? No, if you look, it enhances identical to the spleen. And this is simply a splenule simulating a pancreatic lesion. Another example, what about this? Well, that's a splenule as well. And here it is from above. Now, we wrote an article, Satomi Kawamoto, uh, CT can be used, and Stephanie Coquia, CT can be used to differentiate between intrapancreatic accessory spleens and neuroendocrine tumors uh, because of the fact that the intrapancreatic accessory spleen mirrors the spleen's enhancement, and so it's easy, easy to recognize. Now, if you think about the problem most of the time it's just not going to be a problem in making the differential diagnosis but sometimes it is problematic um, in this article we made the point all intrapancreatic accessory spleens were located by the tip within three centimeters of the tip of the spleen if something's further downstream it's probably going to be a neuroendocrine tumor in cases where you're uncertain which is uncommon you can do a technesium labeled the heat damage red blood cell study or mr uh, but the nuke study is not always going to be perfect either. So here's a good example. This patient has a one centimeter enhancing lesion. Is this a neuroendocrine tumor? This was a potential donor. That's a classic location, and you can see it here as well for an accessory spleen. You notice how it looks identical to the spleen in terms of enhancement. And here it is in a coronal view. It looks identical to the spleen. And here it is with cinematic rendering. So again, sometimes I have to put a lot of effort into being certain what I'm looking at, but it becomes very, very important because it's a leave-alone lesion. 
as opposed to this case you say well could this be a accessory spleen but it's anteriorly it doesn't enhance like the spleen particularly on the as you go from the arterial where it's vascular to the venous phase now you see it's much brighter than the spleen if this was a splenule it would be equally bright to the spleen because it's enhancing to this degree we know it's not simply going to be a uh, a splenule but it's a neuroendocrine tumor and there you see it very nicely on the MIP imaging and you see it very nicely on the cinematic so sometimes I said it's very obvious you don't need to do a whole lot of thinking you could be in auto drive sometimes you need to take the car out of auto drive and think a lot and this was one of those cases but as you look at the images you know precisely that you're dealing with a neuroendocrine tumor it's much brighter than the spleen the texture doesn't match on late phase imaging very very simple or this case here's a neuroendocrine tumor you can see the difference between enhancement between the spleen and the lesion it's also located more posteriorly but again you could think about it it's a definite possibility but as you look through all of the images you realize it's not going to be the case and we're putting effort in cinematic which shows very good texture mapping can that be better at determining an accessory spleen from an intrapancreatic uh, uh, neuroendocrine tumor it's a tough call sometimes here's a beautiful example showing you the textural differences very nicely shown so that is one of the challenges now it's not that common I've seen a few cases of patients getting distal pancreatectomies elsewhere of course they shouldn't have and sometimes it's really difficult so it's something that is not as easy as it is in a lecture particularly when the lesion is small and you're not certain now I mentioned also there are multiple splenic lesions and there are benign malignant lesions but let's take a break I think we've used up a lot of our time and let's come back in a few minutes and take a look at benign splenic lesions go get some coffee and I'll see you in a moment bye if you liked what you heard here today please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctss.com for lectures quizzes pearls and more also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.